0: Marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug in the United States, and we haven't begun to find out all of the ill effects. The war on drugs has been a utter failure,
1: and I think that we need to rethink and decriminalize our marijuana law. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it, and didn't inhale.
2: This is Mike Madrid, the publisher of California City News and the recently launched California Marijuana Policy.org. And this is R.E. Grasswitch,
1: enjoying myself as a contributor to California Marijuana Policy.org. We're talking
2: to you today on Closed Session, a podcast we've recently launched to bring you the best and brightest views of the opinions of the best and brightest. Stick with us. Okay, we're back for the next round of discussions with Joe Devlin, who is the Chief of Policy and Enforcement for Cannabis in the City of Sacramento. I know I didn't get that title exactly right. I'm still working yeah, with enough. it. But basically, you're the, you're the man who has been tasked by the City of Sacramento to handle anything cannabis-related. So where it comes from in terms of cultivation, dispensary, delivery, manufacturing, edibles, enforcement. Coordination of all the departments, you're the tip of the spear on basically all, everything cannabis related. Yep, that is accurate. And more importantly, you are really beginning from ground zero, not just for the city of Sacramento, which which has a pretty good positive history with its dispensaries and with cannabis policy for the past decade or so. But I think there's a lot of cities looking to you and your work to see how it is they're going to start from from scratch, From, as you just mentioned, an empty whiteboard to say, where do you begin? There are no best practices. There are no places to go to find down the best ordinances that have worked in whichever jurisdiction. You're building this from scratch.
0: Yeah, there are places where we can look and some other states that have come in in front of us, you know, we can look to places like Denver. If you're around me enough, you'll hear me mention Denver more than once. And it comes with the caveat of it's really more of a reference than an example. California has a different set of laws. So if you're going to go to other states, really only pieces of that are of their way of doing it are even going to work within California. And then they certainly have to be really adapted to reflect the values of of Sacramento. So I think, you know, Sacramento's approach is maybe going to be a little bit different than some other cities down the line. But, you know, my goal in all of this is really to have Sacramento be a model. And so when some city does decide to kind of legalize and permit cannabis that, you know, we're kind of their one-stop shopping for policy and they can kind of just rip it off wholesale and, and use it. But there's a lot of it that's being developed from from scratch, and you are making it up as you go along. <laughs> we're we're you can making say up, that. Uh, we are making it up as as, <laughs> as we're going along. Um, that's yeah. That's fair. <laughs> that is that is very fair.
1: And yeah. someone has to. What kind of support or not do you get? Uh, have you gotten, or have you even tried to get from from Lori Ajax and the folks at the state level? Of um, uh, in there in the new, they're in this much the same position as you are. They're, oh, they're, they're starting from scratch.
0: Yeah, we are in very similar boats. I've had the chance to talk with Chief Ajax a couple of times. Um, I think. They are headed down the right path on this. Like they're, they're, I think their draft regulations, I thought, were were very thoughtful as a whole. I'm going to be submitting some some comments to it, but I think overall, that's a great place to start. They've got an uphill road to climb, but I've had the chance to interact with her and some of our other staff, and they've been they've been great. Give us feedback. I'm like, oh, they haven't thought about that. So I'm hoping that dialogue only continues and 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 gets better over time because. We're going to need to share ideas if this is going to work. That's one of the things that I'm actually also hoping to do is start identifying other people in other cities that have similar responsibilities to mine so we can begin to share information and best practices because I'm sure they're going to have thoughts around policies that I just haven't you know, come up with and different solutions to challenges. So, Is there
2: a way to get a hold of you, Joe? I know we've talked about kind of working on establishing a membership organization like that. Dollar to a donut. There's somebody in a city hall or, or county office right now listening to this podcast. He's like, I got to get a hold of this guy because I got to I gotta start working yeah. for my own empty canvas. What's the best way to do that? Uh,
0: email is great. My email is jdevlin at cityofsacramento, all spelled out, dot O-R-G.
2: Appreciate you being open to that.
0: Yeah. How convenient is it or necessary is it
2: being this close to Sacramento policymakers? I mean, I guess it is kind of nice that you're like two blocks away from the Capitol. So if you need to grab a legislator or a staffer or go to Lori Ajax's office, you're just walking to
0: their office. I mean, would this be possible doing it in another city? It would definitely be harder. I think that's certainly one of the the benefits of, of doing this in Sacramento is that there is, you know, proximity to lawmakers you know it's only because we're in sacramento that i can text a couple different assembly members and get a meeting to talk about doing a gut and amend on a bill that's not going anywhere to potentially solve a problem on the fly kind of right i mean that's that that probably only really happens in in sacramento so it's not that it can't be done. It's just certainly, I think, a little bit easier having proximity to some of the state folks.
2: And the fact that so many people are on the same boat trying to figure this out. You mentioned Lori Ajak, the chief cannabis officer for the state of California, is, is trying to you know, implement and develop a statewide framework. The two of you working hand in glove from the local side, I think it's got to be a huge advantage.
0: Yeah, some of her staff came and attended. We had a, a workshop that we put on for some of our industry folks a couple weeks ago. And a couple of her staff, we're in attendance in the back. Got to meet them after the, the, the meeting was over. You know, we we're talking about the draft regs. I said, well, I think they're pretty good. He's like, "Whoo, okay, good. was <laughs> like, I wrote them. Um, <laughs> this is really a policy here that is going to require, um, I think, true partnership between the states and, and the locals if we're going to kind of do this right in any short amount of short time frame because there's too much work to be done. Gloria Ajax isn't going to have a big enough staff to police and regulate an industry this size in a, si- in a state the size of California. I mean, if you talk about Denver and Colorado or Colorado, Colorado has a population of 5.4 million people. That's twice the multi- metropolitan service area of Sacramento, right, so in terms of like the scale of- What we're doing here. Uh, of what we're doing here, it's not even comparable. Yeah. There are hundreds of, and hundreds
1: of California cities that have said no to this. That, and they're saying no right now. They said no last week. I know in Walnut Creek, there are cities up and down the state that are saying, we don't care what the state has done. We don't care about Prop 64. The answer is no in our city. And I happen to live in one of those cities. I can think of at least one city council member in Sacramento who would say no if uh, that question were posed and all things being equal. How difficult is that, or is it difficult at all to know that you're surrounded by the, these communities? and, and, and or, or maybe the better question is, is there pressure on you to somehow feel that you have to fight that battle a, about cannabis once again? Uh, knowing all these cities up and down the state have just said, we don't want any, we don't want yeah. distribution, cultivation, manufacture, nothing. The answer is no.
0: Yeah, I don't think the, the, the pressure is to fight for the expansion or of legal legalized cannabis. I think if there's pressure, the pressure is really that I better get this right. Because if I don't, there are hundreds of cities out there that and to go, told you so. Yeah, but that is their prerogative I mean I I fully support that I've worked in the legislature I've worked now in local government and that should be the local government's right to say you know what not not here that's fine to the cities that have banned it around Sacramento when you're ready to kind of come out and acknowledge that this is an industry that is already in your community um, and the only thing you're doing is really ignoring it you know I'll have some good policies and best practices to share with you when you're when you're ready to, to move forward.
2: So that, that's very helpful. Let me ask a question. So if you're in one of those cities or a city that's looking at the you know January one deadline or time frame to kind of develop your ordinance or your city council member or city managers coming to you and saying, We gotta get on this. If you are tasked with starting a new to, tasked task with what you've been done, what advice would you give to city staffers when you're first jumping into this?
0: I think I'd wanna have good clear direction from the council. I think I'd want to know my city or county. Um, I'd want to know the neighborhoods very well. I'd want to know how, what's the real sentiment of, of the people within the community, because that is certainly going to, I think, change how quickly you might roll out some of this this stuff, you know, and then, you know, again, having clear policy goals, I think are, are going to be really important.
1: And, and they absolutely i would agree with that i, th- I think you know the, that's the, what you just you just put your finger on one of the, the keys to your success is those clear policy goals which leads me to the question I, I just saw this the city council did a poll on its budget and its taxes and the issues such as homelessness were were very very concerning to people i didn't see cannabis as a concern and i don't know if that didn't come up in the questioning or what but does does cannabis seem to be a concern for folks in Sacramento? Did you hear from from constituents, just everyday folks who say, try to figure out what you're doing, or or maybe try to give you some criticism or some help? Or or,
0: uh, or is it an issue that Sacramento's even even talking about? Absolutely, there's concern. We've just now started kind of the notification process for these conditional use, use permits. So if you live within a certain proximity to a proposed cultivation site, you're getting a little notice. I went to a neighborhood meeting last night on a proposed cultivation site. And what I'm beginning to see is that they have more questions than anything else. There's a lot of unknown about how cannabis works, how cultivation works how manufacturing works what does it look like what does it what's it actually mean when it's going to be in my neighborhood how is it going to kind of function and fit in you know in that building over there that's been vacant for 10 years they just don't know and i think with the unknown comes a lot of fear and so you know even though sacramento is a is a city that you know overwhelmingly supported prop 64 there are still plenty of unknowns out there as to like what it really looks like and last night was a bit of another eye-opener of like oh my god I've got like another major task on my hands and that is I need to get out in front of this in terms of explaining what this looks like to our community so their reaction isn't just no we can't have a a legal cannabis industry the not in my backyard mentality because those two things aren't going to coincide we're going to end up with a black market. Um, so we need to be able to cite these, these these properties, you know, in inappropriate locations, but in order to do that I think we're going to have to do a lot of education.
1: Yeah. Do you find that,
0: that that there are parallels with alcohol and alcohol control? I think that the comparison gets made fairly regularly, although, you know, when it comes to the the fear that I think around the unknown people are willing to make that comparison until they're really, until they're really willing to kind of think about it in their own neighborhood. Right. It's, it's, it's a fine abstract concept of, yeah, we need to regulate it like alcohol or tobacco or this and that. But then when it comes to, you know, having something in your neighborhood, I think that's where they stop drawing the comparison because if they sat down and thought about it, well, how many places are licensed to sell alcohol? The answer is a lot. Right. And, in the thousands, and if I came forward and proposed, so we should sell for every every one place that sells, you know, alcohol, we should allow one, you know, place to sell cannabis, and so we're only going to put forward, you know, two thousand cannabis for sale permits. <laughs> yeah. People would come unglued, right? <laughs> right. right? So I think the comparison stops when it doesn't meet their kind of own internal narrative because you can buy alcohol everywhere you can buy it at the gas station you can buy it at a restaurant you can buy it at a liquor store you can buy it at a grocery store i mean you can buy alcohol in a lot of places you can go to a food truck event you know in a park inside in a city park and buy alcohol that's Mm. brought in right so that comparison doesn't it stops working when it stops meeting their narrative and and I, it's one actually, I do raise that. Well, how many liquor stores are there? How many places sell alcohol? It's not even liquor stores. And, you know, the kind of scratch go, e- okay, okay, well, but it's, but then it's different. But then it's different. Mm-hmm. Now we're, you know, then we're talking now but, but we're talking about drug. But you know, mean in, in, in your wildest imagination,
1: I could never see in anyone's wildest imagination, I could never see cannabis becoming like that, where you can go to the liquor store and buy cannabis, where, you, where you'll have two thousand cannabis sa- sales points in
2: Sacramento and the city of Sacramento. I just uh, but how many years ago did you not think that legalization would happen,
0: right? In your wildest dream, yeah. Six good point. Say, good point. It's never going to happen. You know, I, so. I've always thought that cannabis was going to be legalized at some point in the state. I'm actually like, I mean, I think I wrote a paper on in high school, you know, the right job. But, but we are not going to, I agree with you that I don't think Sacramento will ever get near the number of places that sell alcohol that will be permitted to sell cannabis. You know, even, okay, is there enough demand for that Joe? I don't know. I think we'd have to float that. I mean, right now... I think the demand is
2: higher than everybody thinks it is, though, right? I
0: think so, too. But I also think a good chunk of it can be met with, you know, delivery, right? So you don't have to go to the store anymore, right? So, you know, if we floated the dispensary permits, you know, I think we'd certainly see an increase in their number because we currently have a cap at 30. If we floated that kind of on the free market that number maybe it would certainly go up but i think at some point it would kind of stabilize but then um, again
1: you're those thousand illegal grow houses speak to a, a demand that that does is clearly somewhere oh. maybe, maybe out of the state yeah. maybe in minnesota or someplace wherever this stuff ends up but that that speaks to demand
0: yeah um there's certainly is demand for cannabis grown in, in california i heard a number and i don't know how accurate it is but i heard that about eighty percent of the cannabis that is grown in California gets exported out of the state. Yeah, I've heard that. Eighty. Eighty percent. Oh wow. Okay. So we're that's a standard number. We're yeah. growing for the rest of the country. Yeah. Much like everything else, yeah, right? I mean, if enough. you eat lettuce in this country, <laughs> <laughs> it, came from California. Chances are it came from California. Good point. You know, almonds. I mean, you think about it, it's like the number of food products that we grow for the country, and it's it's a long list. And cannabis is just another one of those things on that list currently. So, All very, that's like, you know, that's very legal. That's federal.
2: Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit because obviously we're known for our cannabis here in California. We're producing it already. It's a huge, huge market. Uh, even the illegal market is enormous. Let's talk about the revenue side of this. Is significant revenue stream for the city of Sacramento?
0: Um, you know, our total budget this year is uh, around a billion dollars. Our general fund budget is about four hundred and sixty-four million. Of that, the rest of the special funds from water and sewer and garbage, you know. So right now, cannabis revenue is one percent of our general fund. Okay, that is just the the tax that we've collected from our thirty dispensaries. If we permit delivery, add in cultivation, we're up to maybe a total number of that's getting closer to fifteen million potentially annually add-in manufacturing which is impossible to, to ballpark because it literally depends on who it is right so if it's me making you know brownies i'm not going to be making the city a lot of money because my brownies are pretty horrible <laughs> but you know but if it's the equivalent of like craft food who's coming in yeah right that's a different that's a different game and so it's like kind of just saying, just because we have you know four manufacturers that are that have applied to come to Sacramento, I have no way until I see what the, who it is and what their business model is. What I mean, right, right. Is it going to bring in four hundred dollars in tax revenue or four hundred thousand dollars? So, but
2: without the manufacturing, you're talking three to four percent potentially. With delivery, cultivation, and retail dispensary of the general fund. Yep, that's real money. Of it's half of,
1: of half a billion dollars. Yeah,
2: of four hundred and some odd million dollars. So million that's
1: million. a lot of cops. That's a lot of firefighters. That's a lot of of, of gardeners in the park. Right. Um. That, that's that's a significant number.
0: It is, and and the council has you know a lot of demands on their budget moving forward in the next couple of years that you know are around quality of life for parks, um, public safety. Uh, adding additional officers, being able to, to pay them a competitive wage, pensions, um, pension liabilities, and then of course there's our CalPERS pension liability, which is you know a very looming threat. Absolutely, <laughs> our, our our number is twenty eight million dollar increase. I mean that's kind of what we're staring down the barrel by twenty twenty three, and that money. Other than cannabis, there isn't a great place of – there isn't another place to kind of point to of, well, that's where we're going to get $20 bucks. Right.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's no question that's already driving discussions at city halls now that it's budget time. Increasingly, those pressures are going to be there. Where do you see this all going in the next five years?
0: I think we will have um, a regulatory scheme, if you will, regulatory structure that – will allow for the safe legal production and sale of cannabis i think by then we'll have worked out all the bugs and and, and around track and trace and i think that we'll have an industry that in sacramento and in california in in california is going to be in the billions of dollars i still think i think we're still going to have a problem with illegal grows i think that's going to continue to remain a problem but I think the more legal pathways and the ability to kind of introduce market forces into, um, uh, into helping kind of tamper down the black market, um, if we can do that, uh, we'll hopefully get towards you know, squashing some of those illegal grows. But I think in five years from now, um, I think a lot of the fear is going to go away and you're going to see a lot more cities that kind of said, no, absolutely not, never in my backyard you know, kind of quietly raising their hand going, all right, all right, all right. You know, the world hasn't imploded.
2: With that, we're going to have to end. Joe, I really appreciate your taking the time with us today on both sessions here. And I wish you the best of luck. I have no doubt we will be asking you back, maybe even on a regular basis, because we're Sacramento-based too, just to get an update. Um, fascinating to going to watch your, this next phase of your career and see – how all this unfolds.
0: Yeah, happy to be here and thanks for having me.
2: Good luck, Joe. We really appreciate that. That closes
1: out closed session for another day. This is Bob Grasswich with Mike Madrid. And we wanna say thank you again to, to the city of Sacramento's new marijuana czar, for lack of a better term, uh, Joe Devlin. Thanks so much, Joe.
2: Thank you. Thanks for listening. You've been part of this closed session podcast. Appreciated having you spend the time with us this afternoon. Yeah, from Mike Madrid, I'm RE Grasswich.
1: Stay tuned for the next edition of Closed Session.